Welcome to the Lost Signals Discusses Film and TV. Using the revolutionary Manzor Mosi Thurlow scale, or MOTS, we scrupulously review these art forms with an emphasis on narrative structure. Join us for another entertaining episode. Hello there, my friends, and welcome back to The Lost Signals, discusses film and television. And tonight, I am your fading Hollywood star, Scott Thurlow, here with my stunt double best friend, Jonathan Ian Manzer. Peace. And my cult leader, outlier, Stephen Omosi. Don't be a pig. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we are discussing Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tantino's uh, ninth film, I believe. And uh, we are going to review that, and I believe Ian has a logline prepared for us. Cliff Cassidy and the Charlie Manson kids. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and uh, go on, sir, with the plot of this film. Okay, so this is a movie about, as you alluded to in your introduction, an aging Western star who is now relegated to playing the villain in television shows and offered spaghetti Westerns instead of the high horse he used to be on. Yep. <laughs> he also I has like- his... Uh, Best friend and body, uh, stunt double, uh, Cliff. And, uh, they get into, uh, shenanigans in old school Hollywood and, uh, line. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yep, I mean, it's, 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 it's Tarantino's salute to, like, you know, the, the, the dying, like, the traditional period from the, the late 60s Hollywood period into, like, the new 70s, uh, era. Sure. And it definitely has a vibe of a Western throughout it. Yep. Even though it takes place in, uh, 1969. And they live next door to Sharon Tate and and Polanski, uh, yeah, Polanski. and uh, he, uh, and uh, Rick, who is the actor, hopes to one day uh, be befriend them so that he can get uh, in a Polanski movie. And uh, oh yeah, uh, Charles Manson is uh, tertiarily involved He's in this. There for a second, <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, his family, uh, kind of, actually, Cliff, kind of meets with a couple of the crew. Uh, and they go to do the Sharon Tate murders, except uh, Rick appears a little bit drunk. Actually, very drunk. Yeah, and this reality, and, and, uh, and I write Rick yells at the hippies. <laughs> and diverts them from the Sharon Tate murders to go kill him. But Cliff turns out to be a Bruce Lee bashing uh, <laughs> badass. badass yep. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, uh, wins the day with ultraviolence. It's pretty good. Yep. I mean, summary of pretty what much happens. happens in the movie. It's basically a story of like of uh, of Leo as a uh, as a uh, Rick and uh, Brad Pitt as a stuntman, his be- stuntman best friend as um, Clint. And yeah, like they Cliff. happen to live next door to the to the Sharon Tate household to Polanski and Tate. And it's just like as you said, it's them like trying or Rick trying to like save his career mm-hmm. in Hollywood, and it just it just falls around from that. So given all that, it's it's a long film. Again, Tarantino like is not known for. Making short films, I guess we'll say. So it's it's I believe uh, Steve was like two forty one or something in running length. Yeah, two forty one. But I would say it doesn't feel that long, and I was quite invested throughout. Now, possibly the point I'm going to take off a point. I'm probably going to give it a two to plot, and the reason I'm going to do that might come out in other questions we'll discuss. But I think it was very strong. I was very invested throughout. I wasn't bored. I don't think there was any like wasted time or wasted scenes or anything like that. But he made a point precast that I think we'll expand upon. Do you, do you mind if I go into yeah, that now? Uh, yeah, jump into it now. But I, so, I'm saying, before you go on, I'm looking yeah. at a two. 
So I am as well. And for this particular reason is I absolutely adored 90, 95% of this film. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. I think that the performances were outstanding, captured exactly uh, of the, of this man. Uh, there's actually a lot of desperation in here and I'll go into themes, but like a, a, a fading star wanting to recapture his Trying glory. to desperately stay relevant. Uh, yeah. And his best friend who is uh, basically his fate is tied with uh, this actor and them trying to like build their lives. And it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliantly acted. And then it takes what I consider a left turn and I Felt it very jarring. And now I'm actually going to quote Chris here. Because Chris was supposed to be on this, but he hated this movie. And actually said something that he felt this really disrespected uh, Sharon Tate. The memory in of this, And the memory of that. Uh, and he and he really, he didn't, he was afraid that this would be the ending of them stopping. Like, basically the Inglorious Bastards ending where they mm. revert, uh, they change history to stopping a horrific event. But I don't know. It just... It didn't, for me, feel an earned ending. That is well put, yeah. And it just goes into ultraviolence where I don't necessarily, where it was very subdued for most of the film. Uh, it's, to me, compared to another, it's very Jackie Brownish mm-hmm. until it mm-hmm. became Inglorious Bastards. And that style of ending doesn't, to me, fit well. So I'm going to deduct a point for that. That wasn't a good match here. Yeah. Good, Steve Yeah, I, I think that uh, that's well put. I, I didn't. Dislike the ending as much as, and we, we actually, so we normally don't talk as much at length about films before we review them as we did this one, but I think there was a lot to talk about in this movie mm-hmm. and uh, a lot good, but certainly the ending you disliked more than I or I, and I think, uh, yeah. I can speak for Scott in, in the same way, like you disliked it more than I, than we did, but I definitely see your point um and i think that there is something to be said for like there was a point in this movie where i thought that tarantino was going to go um a certain very (laughs) very differently than a tarantino movie Mm -hmm. and i thought perhaps there would be no actual deaths i thought that all the deaths in the movie would be in the TV shows and the films that they were showing. And I thought that would be an interesting take for Tarantino, like a, a, a new way to go. And then the end of the movie does get very violent, as everyone has come to expect from a Tarantino film. And you're right. It, like, it did kind of feel, maybe maybe I will say unearned, right? Like, it, it did kind of feel unearned. And not that it didn't do the scenes well not that this movie didn't do the scenes well but like it it didn't feel like that was the natural ending to this film per se yes and yes. i think that tarantino is usually better at giving you the ending that you don't necessarily expect but you always feel or the closure is, that makes is sense the good closure for the movie mm. and i don't know if this movie did that perfectly uh not to say that i didn't like it i like this film quite a bit but yes. there is that like little you know kind of niggling uh idea in the back of my head that the ending of this could have been better somehow well here's one of the things is narratively it actually makes sense because they are establishing the western here uh, you have cliff as the he never wears the white hat but he usually wears like clothing you have the charles manson uh cult of members especially tex who is the yep. main male antagonist he wears a black hat you know, all those kind of uh, hints to the western 
however, it it so it narratively makes sense that uh, Cliff would face off with him at the end. Yeah, but emotionally, the emotional ending of it, I didn't I didn't think fit it, particularly it, well it, to it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, um, so again, like as you alluded to, we discuss it a bit more at length than we might normally do. But I agree. Like that's why I'm taking a point off here for plot that while as you said, e like ninety ninety five percent of the movie was fantastic for sure, and the um was discussed the lot of questions in a second like why is that why is the case but yeah the ending like while i did i don't think i had a, as much of a problem with it as perhaps you personally did but the, and you are uh, speaking through chris's point i think that is the case so that is why i'm also going to take a point off here it but is give it a very strong two but still a two yeah it is definitely the showdown at, uh, like the okay corral at the end yeah. of this right like it's that it's that but it seemed like little, we uh, meet at high noon or whatever yeah. type of thing but it and did like, seem a little out of place i guess we'll it, it did uh what i will say in terms of the good of it, is it did the uh, that pause before, like the calm before the storm, yes, sure. very well, yes. where like you see the dog like sit up, and like you can almost hear the like na 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 yeah exactly like that part, yeah. but like it is it is like kind of out of left field, like it should have been probably either set up a little bit better or the the actual scene should have been done a little bit differently, so it felt. More in tune with what the mm. what the movie was. Later this month, we're going to be talking, doing a, a narrative uh, episode about proportionality. And when you see Nazis get slaughtered, you, you, the worst things can happen to the Nazis that you can imagine. Because in general, on a society, uh, we have agreed that they're the worst, uh, uh, and, and they are. And so, like, we want to see them burn alive. I feel actually, Sadie, I felt bad for her. The amount of punishment we she, she went through. In that, yeah, she's a murderous cult member, but she was mal- but, uh, hit in the face with a can of dog food, which broke her nose, her teeth, yeah. her mouth. She was mauled by a dog. She ran outside and then got, got hit burned by a alive. By, yeah. It actually felt mean, and like excessive. Said, to, to, to me, while watching yeah. it, I'm like, like she, yeah, she deserves. Like, her death is fine. The extent of her death was actually <laughs> torturous, was like, torturous the details yeah. of it yeah i mean I, I again i agree like again while it didn't bother me as much i do agree that like i think that's where we take off a point maybe like slightly but still nevertheless it garners a two a very strong two but for that reason i think we're giving twos two plus same and one more small point i want to make is like i think it's really interesting that they frame them the, these three murderers as hippies right like and that's kind of baked into the script of this plot is like they are framed as hippies they're not framed as like charles manson's like kit squad Mm. you know they're framed as oh what are you fucking hippies doing out here and like it's a really weird way that that is done um and perhaps we'll talk about a little bit more about that later like like, assuming that nazis are bad and this is kind of assumed that hippies are right, bad. and like that—that's yeah. that's like, kind like, of the like that's kind of the problem that I had with it. Like, I don't think that uh, Tarantino is specifically trying to say hippies are bad, like Nazis are, but like I think it, but it almost off it almost such. came off yeah, that way. And exactly, like, you know, that was, that was a, a small issue that I had, or an issue that I had with yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's enough to dock at a point there. But so that's two is all around. Yep, and uh, Steve-O, carry on with uh, themes. So there's this. Uh, there's this really big theme uh, going throughout of like uh, getting older in a world where you have to be young to be successful. Um, it happens with Leo in, you know, he's just losing roles and like now he's playing quote unquote, the heavy in 
uh, a bunch of movies so that these young stars can say that they beat up somebody famous, basically. Yeah. Um, you have Brad Pitt's character. Uh, Clint Booth. So, Cl- Cliff Booth. Oh, sorry, yes. Um, so, Cliff and uh, Leo's character is Rick Dalton. Uh, but, yeah, you have uh, Cliff, who is basically just a washed-up stuntman at this point, who... He's like he's still got it, obviously, but he's getting but older all the said, time. And like stuntman, sorry, as a stuntman, said, his fortunes are tied to to Leo's right. character. He, also, he backed the wrong horse in a right. lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I mean for sure. Like you know, it, the, there's there's talk about like the the missed opportunities a lot mm. with with Leo and his career. Like there, there's a couple conversations about that. Um, and he he has all these like great conversations that talk about that and show his heavy uh emotions about becoming older and like you know in and coming to that reali- in, realization in yeah. this you know uh being in this industry if you aren't a great like uh, one of the greats uh, like in terms of actors like your fortune is tied to your looks and your and and what you can do and i think the, like this movie treads the line a lot of like whether or not rick dalton is a great actor because like there's a lot of points where he fails, and then you see his like great successes as well, which is really interesting. Like it's mm. not all like, oh, this is the end of my career. It's more like him thinking, oh, it's the end of my career because he's uh, very self conscious about his own acting and stuff like that. But you see his successes as well. Same thing with um, with Cliff, it, to a certain extent, is like you see him kind of succeed as a person outside of his career yeah right? like exactly uh, you know he he kind of stands up for what he believes in and like uh goes in like his his friend george who he used to work with he goes and like just stands up for him make sure he's okay even though he really wasn't necessarily but like make sure that he's not dead Look, basically a, uh, he's a blind man getting like pounced on by hippie <laughs> girls yeah. uh, and they, End years of his life. He's doing all right for him. Yeah, so they can live at his... There's, a, there's yeah. worse endings <laughs> yeah. to that, too. But, uh, but yeah, like, I, I think that it's a really interesting line that this movie treads in terms of the themes and, and like which side of the themes you fall on at any given moment. And I think that's the most interesting thing about it is like at any point in your day, right, as like somebody like uh, Rick Dalton or even Cliff Booth or uh, even if you want to talk about Sharon Tate, like there's moments where you're up on yourself and there's moments where you're down on yourself mm. and like you're still this person who even more so than perhaps you know quote normal people you have these like really highs and really lows because of the nature of the business that you're in and I think that's really I, I think that's an interesting uh, theme I'm sure you guys will talk about others other stuff but. yeah man so like I, I, I'll toss out a couple of things like the fickleness of Hollywood certainly is there like right, right. like and again like in, the insecurities like. The perception of the public view um, versus like who the the actual people were, like as you mentioned, Taron Tate, like goes to see her the film that she's in and like hopes that people like her in it, and yeah. like that seems to be the case. And like you know, again, Rick doubting himself and like realizing that he's no longer like the big shot, like number one, and then now he's been relegated to playing these kind of roles to keep him, you know, to keep himself afloat, and then therefore Clint's or Cliff's fate is tied to him, or like his livelihood, also that. Right, but of course, like, I'm sorry if I'm stealing this from you, E. Like, it's a western, like a meta western in a sense, right? 
So like it, it, you guys mentioned, like it has the tropes of that, like the standoff, like you said, like Tex wearing a black hat and and Cliff dressed and Brad Pitt dressed in like lighter clothes, and, like f- heroically fighting him off and so forth, yeah. right? So it's like it's almost like uh, Tarantino's like love letter, and like he he was unabashedly like saying about this when his film was coming out, or, like when he was making it, like yeah, it's my love letter to the 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 death of the golden age of Hollywood, right. more or less. And like as framed through the story that these two fictional characters who happen to be living next to fictionalized versions of two real people who suffered a, a horrible tragedy. So like it that's all and it's all very nicely like just woven through the film. Like it, at no point does the film hit you in the head over it or like t- t- like take a breath and be like, now here's the fucking theme of the film, right? It's just there as organically as the characters are. So I think it's very, very well done and I think it, it nailed it pretty much. Yeah. So I'm going to mention something that's probably not related to uh, themes we should have mentioned in plot, but there's two scenes that I want to discuss, which but it is kind of wrapped in, so let me continue. Uh, one scene is when uh, Cliff is... You're introduced to Cliff through the lens uh, or as a partner to uh, 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 Rick. Yeah. And the high life that he lives, even though it's fading. And then you see Cliff go back to his little uh mobile home a shitty trailer yeah. and stuff yeah. and eating uh craft mac and cheese out of a pot which i did two days ago <laughs> so I'm like thank you for showing the low point of this guy's life uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as my reality but also uh when uh rick is um needs the lines and he hates himself in his trailer and is yelling at himself so cliff actually for all of the low points of monetarily that he has he's a there's a stronger character. Uh, He's more least, like secure in himself yes, or confident, if you will. Where yeah. you see the uh, actors as these neurotic messes mm-hmm. uh, who are like, either whether it's true Sharon as you mentioned, or, or Rick. It's, it's interesting. And I was also screaming at myself in my apartment. So I'm a little bit both a Rick and Cliff fan. <laughs> yeah, sure. But <laughs> it spoke lows. to you, right? <laughs> it A spoke to you. And I think the film like made it very clear without, again, without being overbearing, I guess, is what I want to say. Yeah. So is that uh, one for uh, you guys on themes? One's on themes. Yeah, yep. I think so. So it brings me to antagonist, which is an interesting one, I suppose. Like, yes, of course, on the surface, it's Charlie Manson's cult and like what he was doing, like his nefarious plan that like sort of uh, collides with the lives of... Uh, these two fictional characters uh cliff and rick right but like again i think it's more than that it almost like bleeds over from themes in a sense where again like realizing your insecurities like realizing your place like you you're once great and now like you have to accept your place because times are the times they are changing i guess we'll say right it's like yes of course like the the culmination like the the showdown as one of you mentioned at the end yeah but like the big battle like a la the western thematic elements as we mentioned as well like they're but I think it's like just accepting like what who you are and what's happening to you and trying to make the best of it as you can. Right? So like I don't know, like it's it's like both a it's both a um corporeal in a sense uh antagonist and also like an abstract one. Here's the thing is it's not a corporeal antagonist. No? Charles Manson does not He's barely there. Them. I in get fact, it, but Honestly, if the whole Sharon Tate, Charles Manson thing didn't exist in this film, I think it would be a better film. Because it's an interesting enough story that they're dealing with without having to uh, put uh, put that in. And it really, uh, Rick and Cliff, aside from Cliff going to uh, uh, the the ranch, 
they don't interact with them at all until the very, very end of the film. Sure. It is yeah. what antagonizes uh, Rick is his fading glory. His own, like, yeah, yeah. true. And, and I think it's very well done. I really appreciate the film for that. In fact, I dislike the film for the addition of uh, Charles Manson. Hmm. In it. Interesting. Uh, so I, I, here's what I'll say, I guess. The, like the, the addition of Charles, the, the Manson cult into this, I think added a level of tension that you wouldn't have had without it. True. And, um, I agree. There, there was a lot of tension built upon, you know, there's a lot of tension built up in that scene where he goes there. And there's a lot of tension built just upon like seeing the cult wandering down the street or whatever, like, mm. you know, just having them there in the background. And you mm. know that this movie is building towards the Sharon Tate murder. You know, that it's building towards like what that is supposed to be. Granted, having seen Inglorious Bastards, I assumed that it was going to be some kind of revisionist history. I didn't right. realize exactly what in was going to happen. In such a degree, yeah. But, but so. like, I, I figured that there would be, it would be different than what happened in real life. But, I think that a lot of what the uh, a lot of what Tarantino does really well in his scripts and in his dialogue and 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 just in in what's going on in his movies mm. in general is tension building and I think that yeah, he's one of the sure. best tension building uh screenwriters out working today and I think that a lot of it, the tension in this movie and a lot of the reason that you're so dialed in to a lot of the scenes that have nothing to do with Manson is because it's like you realize that something kind of is happening in the background. Like even subconsciously mm-hmm. you, you have something like going on in the background. There is theoretically a countdown going on throughout the entire thing when every date appears. Right. So, you know, it's getting closer and closer to the date of the, the Sharon murders, Tate yeah. murders. But that, that said, I think that, um, both the, We'll say the corporeal and the incorporeal mm-hmm. antagonists of this movie. I enjoyed very much, uh, and I am going to give it a one for that. Yeah, I agree. I think I might um, go on your side a bit, where I think the incorporeal, like again, dealing with her fading stardom with your lot in life, given the situation, might be a little bit stronger. But I think both of them still work quite well, yeah. and right. giving it a very strong one. All right. So, E, tell us about the uh, protagonists. Okay, so I'm going to say Cliff and Rick. Yep. First of all, this wouldn't have worked nearly as well without the fantastic performances of Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio Fucking and Brad a. Pitt. Yeah. I think it's one of the best things I've ever seen uh, Brad Pitt in. Uh, his, like, he personified this character and I believed all of his motivations. And the fact that he maybe had killed his wife at a yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but because he like seems like a don't. genuine guy, yeah. like I, I, in every other interaction. Yeah. It's funny. I hesitate to say like I like that it was in there, but yeah. like it, I think it added something. Like even though it wasn't a big point, no. the, the beauty of it is they show you how he is, and then it's kind of a not really a twist, but like a surprise that oh, this happened. It happens early on, and then you're seeing him act how he acts to other people. You're like. There's no way this guy I like did this, but he might have. He, he is impulsive. He is uh, violent when he needs uh, yeah. to be, when he feels it's justified. So it's interesting. And I was, and they had a Cabrera's performance as this, because he's, he could, it could have been played super tragic yeah. and super sappy, but it wasn't. It was played very realistically. It was the opposite of that. Yeah, man. And, and you and you were, were at least me watching it. I was with his victories. I felt for him in his failures, and yeah, he's kind of an asshole. But I 
But he's a great actor. But like a well-meaning <laughs> one in a sense, you know what I mean? I don't even know if it, like like kind of like I don't, I don't even know. know like he's a selfish actor in a way and he's he's still engaging as an individual like as a character. Like so you I get, have to give it a very strong one. You're right, you get a couple moments uh with Rick where it's like oh this is who you really are. Like when he comes out, like for no reason, yells at the fucking hippies in the car, despite the fact that they were there to kill people. Yeah. Like he well, didn't know that. Not for no like, reason. He, they were like annoying him because they were in a shitty car, and like he was yeah. trying to like. <laughs> well, hang exactly. Out. Like they they were in his neighborhood. It's a very petty reason. They were in his neighborhood, and they were yeah. the poor's basically. And he was like, "I need to come out here and yell at these motherfuckers but, like, and get them the gonna, fuck out of here. You don't belong here." Type of thing. But how is he gonna dump Cliff? And yeah, and and that and, like. That whole thing, which he may still have done, like, you know, it was like... No, no, because I think that it's implied that by getting in the circle with... Uh, I kind of agree. Blansky. I don't think that he would have, but however, like, you don't really know. You never find out. He made he made two jakes work. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I think he did. I think uh, Rick Dalton did the two <laughs> jakes. Uh, but, like, yeah, it was, it was... It was both of those characters really well done on their own and mm-hmm. uh, made so much stronger by their on-screen chemistry mm-hmm. between the two oh, of them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna give this a very strong one. I don't have too much more to say over what you said, but yeah, man, I'm going to give it a strong I can't, one. Like, you guys said it all. Like They had amazing chemistry together. I believe their friendship 100%, mm-hmm. and I love their acting in it. Like I love the way that uh, I guess my final thought is or Leo being like a good actor within like the... F- the framework that he is in the fictional world of it. It's like, he's good enough. He's yeah. better than everyone yeah. else, but he's not great. Yeah. Like, and that, ta- like, that takes a lot of talent to be an actual actor to portray that. To dude. be an actual very good actor playing somebody who can, like, who's a pretty good yeah, actor. Sort of like, like, that's at a, points is yeah. like a bad actor. Yeah, has right? to like, <laughs> downplay his own yeah. real life skills. Yeah, it was fucking phenomenal, fucking fantastic, and I gotta give him all the credit in the world. I, I also love how Big brother protective Cliff is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all worked. It's yeah. exactly what it needed to be. Yeah, and exactly. It was perfect. 100%. Yeah. And uh, one's all around strong ones. Mm-hmm. So that'll bring us to secondary. And that'll be you, Steve O. Uh, yeah, it's fucking. There is a million secondary characters. <laughs> 30 it's fucking like, characters. Yeah, if, if not more. Like, yeah. it's it's outrageous. But they're all great. I, I, you have to mention. Uh, Margot Robbie as Sharon mm. Tate. Yep, she's. I think she's the most the number one. one with a with a bullet. Mm-hmm. But you also have like um, the woman who plays Squeaky From. I don't remember her name right now. Dakota Fanning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dakota Fanning as Squeaky From. Um, May I just interrupt for one second? Yeah. Her introduction when yes you don't get her name, but the rats are yeah. like squeaking. Ian pointed that out like, to me, all, and, and I did not put that together. I was gonna say like. That that part is all style, but it is brilliant. Yes. Like it's it's fucking fantastic. I, I just like, mentioned before I forgot it. Even even yeah. like Good but call. but every every part that she's in is yeah. great. You know, you have her, you have um Roman Polanski as like this very he's got like three lines in the movie, but eh, he's he's he does a good job like But he has an ascot. You, you got, you got the Austin Powers uh, suit going you got, on. I'm going to name like two more and then I'll leave it over. All but right. you got like Bruce Lee, the guy who plays Bruce Lee, who's just a great Bruce Lee. Um, and I had one more I wanted to mention. Oh, uh, Margaret Qualley, who plays um, Pussycat, uh, does a really good job in this as well. Like, just as this uh, member of, sort of like the Manson s- cult. Seductive younger cult yeah, member. Yeah, and who, who just, like, is kind of electric on screen. Like, every time she's on screen, you know, like... Uh, 
she did a she did a really good job as well. Uh, and I'll I'll leave. I could name like seven other characters at least, but I'll leave it up to you. guys. But yeah, man, you're right. There are so many. Like it's 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 a very uh, broad and a, a kind of I want to say eclectic, but maybe not. Like it's it's many people that Tarantino's worked with previously. So like as an example, uh, fucking Michael Madsen shows up as a cameo. Like he's like <laughs> randomly there for like doesn't even have a name. Yeah, for like one. Fu- yeah, he's not even credit with a name. Like yeah. one fucking scene. But um, I'm sorry if I stole this from you. Um. When Rick Dalton Leo is shooting the uh, playing the the big bad in the new the new western uh, that he's he's like at least like I'm lucky enough to get this role he has to co-star along like an eight year old girl who is fantastic oh, yeah. like she's like she's like almost smarter than him in a yeah. sense right like that was a great like I felt like that great on chemistry there but yeah there's so many like of course Margot like yeah fantastic job even like given the fact that like we were mentioning precast like in real life. Um, there was a panel where someone's like, "How come you didn't give her more lines? She didn't need more lines. In context, it works. Like you get what who her character is without her her having to speak so much, and she says a lot, which is like her body language mm. and her interactions. She had one of the best scenes in the movie theater. Yeah, one hundred percent, without having to say a fucking word. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like Kurt Russell was there. I was like mm. uh, the old like sort of like veteran. Uh, like uh, a stuntman, like Corral. It's like, credited as Randy. Uh, by the way, Kurt Russell is also the narrator. Yes. If you guys, uh, yeah, didn't I did notice, notice that. that yes. But, uh, yeah. It's funny because I was expecting to be Tarantino himself because that often the case. But I almost thought it was George Clooney at first. No, no. But then I it was obviously it was Kurt Russell. Russell. But yeah, I mean, like, there's so many other like Zoe. Uh, I can't remember her last name, but she was in Death Proof. Like, she's a stunt yeah. woman, and she plays Kurt Russell's wife. Like, there was just so many like people that were in the movie that fit right in there. Like, they weren't overused. They were just like. They made sense. Their characters were perfect. They 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 didn't overstay their welcome, but they made sense to the entire story. And I got all of them all the credit in the world. I think the one you haven't mentioned yet was Al Pacino. Yep, but, I was, uh, wait, I was going to give that for you. <laughs> I've got a couple characters here. If you don't mention them, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, you, you guys mentioned most of them. Uh, I would say that from what you haven't mentioned, actually, the director of the. Uh, the oh, pilot he's of, of the Lancer, movie. yeah, 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 the Lancer. Yeah, he was. Very much a Hollywood director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was great. Um, yeah, so there was uh, Al Pacino as um, Martin Schwarz. Big time producer. Uh, trying yeah, to get, uh, he's trying to get him to come to Trying to get Rick to be Spaghetti Westerns. And yeah. eventually does. Um, and also, I wanted to mention Luke Perry as um, his name, Wayne Maunder. He was the white hat in the film that they yeah. were making, or the yeah, yeah. the episode they were making. Yeah. So and uh, you know a bunch more. There were just a ton of people in this film, and they were all they all did a good job. Yeah, they all uh, sold. But I think the, we mentioned most of the like standouts. They all sold the roles, and it all made sense, and it was it was fantastic. Yeah. So one's all around for that. Yep. I think. All right. So that'll bring me to dialogue. I mean, it's a Tarantino film. So while not, I guess my thought is like. It might not be to the degree of like Reservoir Dog style or Pulp Fiction or whatever, but it's still is snappy. Like I had a lot of chuckles, like a lot of good references, a lot of like subtle jokes, like snuck in there, like yeah. just like seemingly like innocuous uh, interactions, but elevated because like it, it was so organic and the chemistry again from everybody, as we just said, the questions we just answered, like all the characters, protagonists, antagonists, and secondary, they all fit in there and they all like had a, a nice. A good time with each other like it seems to be like everybody had a lot of fun making this movie yeah. and every line that was spoken made sense nothing was out of place and a, a couple of them like got me right like so like here and there like you weren't expecting it like something like sneaks in there and yeah man like i mean he built himself on a being so 
the next question might be pertinent, but his 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 styles of director and also his like snappy like back and forth dialogue here and there. I mean, the epic rap battles of history turned <laughs> him the king of dialogue. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I mean, well, I, that, that's almost exactly what I was going to say, right? Like Tarantino is the king of making unnatural dialogue seem natural, mm-hmm. and you know, this movie is no different. He's exactly. never, he's it's no ne- exception. Like if he writes it, it's going to be. It will Incredible be golden. Dis- <laughs> yeah. Despite the, despite some foibles that there may be with some of his previous scripts with uh, using words that perhaps he shouldn't be fucking using constantly. He but writes, I thought he, he got away from that. Like he, he, he did, there's nothing yeah, like no, that he, in he this did, film at all. He didn't do that at all in this film. Yeah. But, um, but he writes some of the best dialogue in yep. the business ever. Like I was going to say recently, but it's not recently. It's ever. He writes some of the best dialogue that's ever been written. Amen. I put him out there with. Uh, you know, Casablanca like yes. style dialogue. You know, he he just knows how to write interactions with people. I will say one thing though that this isn't as I think memorable as perhaps some of the. It's not other as quotable, I guess, is what you want to say. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not saying it's bad, bad by any means. It's still a higher level than most other films, mm-hmm. but it's more of. A, and this is the first last time I'm probably going to say compared to Jackie Brown, but Jackie Brown was more grounded work this is a more grounded work so they both have more grounded dialogue mm-hmm. than necessarily sure. samuel jackson monologuing right it's uh, not it's not over the top like slapping yeah. the face with some like crazy line sure yeah. but it all worked but amazingly i'm not taking it's still fantastic mm. yeah. yep so one's all around for that mm-hmm. all right e continue on with uh, the style i mean where to begin <laughs> Nice, yeah. Uh, it's a Tarantino work. Right, so I'm just going to actually say one thing about this. Because if you've seen a Tarantino film, you know you're going in for great cinematography, mm. great costuming, great yeah, uh, music, all that. Fonts, great fonts. Yeah. What I liked about this is uh, the big difference I noticed between this and previous work, and again, uh, more towards Jackie Brown, is that he wasn't using chapters, which he yes. normally, like he does I, in a lot of funny, other films. For, sorry, for, yeah. for one, I was totally expecting that to be the case mm-hmm. in this film. Yeah. In fact, but he did have chapters, but he used he used clever transitions for his uh, chapters to keep up this flow. So right. there was never a break instead saying, of like chapter like, two. Yeah, exactly. Sort of, so they would be mm-hmm. following a car as it parked, and then it would swoop over to the next, Sharon Tate's house and it start following Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski, and it felt very natural with a crane shot looking like uh, following yep. them, and it, it, it felt a more mature work in a way of calling that of a master, but it did feel like he learned a skill uh from his last film yeah Uh, there there are so many like i don't think i could think of a single shot in this movie that was poorly done in any way like you know it's tarantino you're coming into tarantino he's a master of style you expect something he's just like he is the stylistic uh genius of our time right like he just i'd agree loves to uh, splash his brush on everything that he can like uh, his his own type of um, cinematography and everything that he can touch and like you know there, there's so many good shots there's those transitions that you were mentioning that were fucking brilliant there's like the we were talking about a, a few of these before cast like there's scenes where the, he does the ride along shot with the car as uh, Cliff is like going in and out of <laughs> yep. traffic yep. Uh, just so fucking cool there's so many Good, 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 good shots in this. Uh, the the behind the driver's seat shots that he gets. Uh, there's 
we could talk about we could talk for an hour and a half about just the shots and the cinematography of this movie, but I won't do that. Uh, I will also say I will also mention that the music is terrific. I was waiting for you to bring that up. Yep, fucking wonderful, like period music that is like. At the same time, instantly recognizable, but songs that you don't really know, uh, which is like brilliant. Like you know, it's just Tarant- very Tarantino-esque, and like he does the same thing in a lot of his other movies as well. But perhaps the best that he's ever done in this one, uh, in terms of that. Uh, and the costuming is is out of yes. this world. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. Like that trilogy, of course. Like uh, as you mentioned, if you're familiar with Tarantino, you know he's going to make a good film. I would say like the colors, like. The vibrance of it, I think, stood out to me for sure. Really? And the, yeah, and I noticed that we, uh, as I walked out of the film, I was like, E and I were talking that the songs he chose fit perfectly, but they weren't like annoyingly obvious choices, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. And yeah, of course, like every tr- tr- transitional shot, right? Like, and I'm glad he did not use like the chapter one, like, a la, let's say, Hateful Eight, like something right. like that, right? He didn't need to. It just seamlessly transitioned yeah. throughout. And you like, yes, they had like, like six months later and like a couple of timestamps, but that was it. And like, yeah, he just gets gorgeous shots and they all look amazing. Mm-hmm. And I can't say anything else. It's gotta be a one. Yeah. I do have one last thing I want to point okay. out. We'd go back to our conversation of fact, this is a Western. Oh yeah. And that nope. he has not to say, uh, taking Western tropes and putting it in a modern setting. It's not a modern setting. Uh, it's 1969, <laughs> but from, but still point, use uh, it. Yeah. I know. For, exactly. So for instance, uh, Cliff. He makes us feel like we're in 1969, yeah, and uh, it is modern. He's going up to the roof to repair a um, uh, uh, antenna. TV antenna, yeah. Uh, <laughs> way he puts on uh, the tool kit, almost like a holster. It's a gun, a gun. It's yep. a beer in there, mm-hmm. but it's but it's always kind of reminding you subtly that there's there's a western here, a western yeah. tinge to it all. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Good call. I, I I view this movie as a western. Like yes. it's an ode to westerns as a western. <laughs> In yeah. the form it's of got, Western, like, it's got like right? three like meta levels yeah. to it, yeah, for sure. And like it, it all works. And again, it's not overbearing. It's not like annoying. It's just fucking seamless. Like I said, mm. yeah, yep. Absolutely. So ones around ones for, that. for that. All right, and f- bring us home, Sivo. Do you in fact recommend Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, fuck yeah, I recommend it. <laughs> um, it's a it's a very good Tarantino flick. I think I was talking about that. We were talking about all the Tarantino flicks. Mm-hmm. There's this is the ninth of them. Um, I think this is probably like five or six in his in his oeuvre so far yep. like it's certainly not i i don't think it's his my favorite of his although you know i'm sure some people could make a case for it being like really high up but like for me it's kind of middle of the road tarantino but that's really fucking good that's a high I, bar like man. his his ninth best movie i will watch pretty much anytime so <laughs> sure yeah uh I, yeah i recommend it I think that for, at least for me, because I love the subtlety of a lot of this film. Like, weirdly, when considering, like, what, subtle for Tarantino. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I, I get what you mean, yeah, for sure. For 95% of it, and I would say it's my number one or number two, but the ending did ruin it for me. So I recommend the hell out of it, but just go in knowing that you're, uh, or at least, As I go you might be it. disappointed at the end. But it doesn't the the journey in this fact is much more important than the destination. The end, and yep. uh, even though it this uh, Chinatown was never made in this uh, universe, <laughs> reality. So, yeah, sure. I mean, yes, I absolutely recommend it. Um, my new standards. 
I, w- I actually want to see this film again, like right now when we're done. Yeah. And yeah, it, I, I agree, Steve. Oh, like it stands like maybe middle of the road, maybe like the top 30 or percent of, of Tarantino films. Yeah. It was fantastic. The, the performances across the board were amazing. Everything we just said, like backs it up. And I absolutely do recommend it. And, uh, hell yeah. Go check it out. If you haven't, it's fucking totally worth it. He has not lost a thing. And I think he's, I think he's uh, learned a bit, like you said, like level up a bit in a sense, like learn to like word to tone it down a bit, even though the ending might be a little, um, it could be a little polarizing, we'll say, but nevertheless, that in no way detracts from how great the film is overall. Yeah. Yep. Any, anything else to add? All right. So very, very nice scores, my friends. It's a nine to cross the board. Mm. So it gives it a nine. And I think that's damn well what it, what it deserves, where it stands. Yeah, but I expect yeah. a 10 out of Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, well. I don't have to tell you, but I think a nine is still damn good. And yeah, man, it's it's also getting highly praised from other critics and so forth. So if you you trust us and you trust them, I don't have to tell you. What's on Hanwood? Damn solid. I think it might become like in like ten years, it might become kind of a classic. Or it, it will be like in remembered for his best one of the in in the um top tier of his best films. Alright. Except for the ending. <laughs> yes. Okay, thank you. For you. <laughs> But, yeah, I think that'll do it. So I think uh, our stars are fading ourselves. And I've been Scott Thurlow. And I've been here with Jonathan Ian Manzer. (sighs) (laughs) All right. And Stephen Amosi. I don't like names like Pumpkin Puss. Of course you don't. And uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Say the Pumpkin Puss. (laughs) Good night. Editing and engineering by Scott Thurlow. Music by Christopher Morgan. Check us out on YouTube and iTunes for the shows, and on Facebook and Twitter for updates. Or mods?